follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Raven Devaney and today we will be talking with Jack Foreman of the band Rhesus Monkey. Later we will also be talking with Chandler Jackson and Juliana Maltafalo, two of the Food Network contestants. Plus we will be discussing the films Maze Runner Scorch Trials and Pawn Sacrifice. So, to start off the show, we will be talking about Hot Air, which is a super fun album that will get you dancing and singing along. The album is by Rhesus Monkey, a trio of teachers who create amazing tunes for kids and families. And on the show, we have with us a wonderful guest, Jack Foreman, who is a bass player and vocalist in Rhesus Monkey. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This is a total honor. It is wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us. So, Jack, you were a teacher for 13 years at the U. University Kid Child Development School. What prompted you to switch your focus onto music and this incredible band? Uh, thank you for the compliment. Um, I was uh, actually our band started with three teachers who all taught together there at the school. So I and the other two members of our band were all co-teachers uh, first, and we started playing music in an indie rock band, like playing uh, nighttime shows in rock clubs around Seattle, where I live. Um, and that's a very hard thing to do when you're trying to teach the next morning, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo- Loading out of a rock club at two or three in the morning and then trying to be fresh teaching kindergarten at 8 a.m. the same morning is a little challenging. So we decided to see if we could take those two worlds and smush them together a little bit. And we experimented with making indie rock, but for a family audience. Um, And interestingly, our shows went from being uh, at 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. on weekend mornings. So it was a perfect thing to do uh, along with uh, teaching. Um, and then my son, Oscar, was born four years ago. So I decided to leave teaching and uh, be a stay-at-home dad with him um, and take over some more of the band responsibilities. And I've been gloriously staying at home playing music ever since. That's awesome. That sounds like the life to live. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. You, kind of, you kind of answered my second question, um, but I was just wondering, so you and Drew and Quorum are the other members of the band. So, I mean, obviously you all work together, so that's how you met each other. But how did you find out that all three of you had such a passion for music? music and such a similar style of music. Yeah, well, that's actually interesting. We all kind of have different backgrounds in music, both in terms of when we started learning and the kind of music that we like, which is awesome because we're constantly learning from each other musically. Um, It just kind of came out over time that we all had musical backgrounds as we were brainstorming different things to do in the classroom. And the very first thing we did, we wrote a song about a math problem. It was a very weird song, um, but it kind of spread throughout the school. And by the end of that school year, all the kids were singing it. And that was the thing that kind of made us want to jump off the edge and, and try this like as a, an actual band and yeah so we're always we listen to lots of different kinds of music between the three of us and we're constantly learning from each other that's awesome that's so cool especially since you guys already work in an environment together so it's not like being thrown into a random band which i know is what happens with a lot of, of kids groups which are sort of more formula created with yeah yeah thrown like together man- and so i think right yeah exactly that's the word i was searching for manufactured thank you you are a teacher you're welcome you- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now spell it. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned that you were in, you guys had 
your sort of like 11 p.m. band. What was, was there any difficulties transitioning to this, you know, family oriented band or was it more smooth? I think we had more perceived difficulties than actual difficulties. You know, none of us had any experience. When we started doing this, we, none of us had kids of our own yet. We had been teaching for a long time, but our mental image of what it meant to be a kid's musician was, you know, being like the person standing in front of a room of, of kindergartners with a, an acoustic guitar singing folk songs. And while there's a, pl- a place for that, that wasn't something that any of us were we're very interested in. Like we're really interested in playing rock music and and with lots of creative musical influences that we hadn't really been hearing from the kids' albums that we'd heard. So the first thing we had to do was convince ourselves that we actually can, we're allowed to be as creative as we want. And as long as we're singing from a perspective that honors both the adults listening and the kids listening, and that they're songs that we actually legitimately like, then we know that we're on the right track. If we ever feel like we're making songs that we wouldn't listen to on our own um, as music lovers, then we know that we're we're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. You are amazing. You keep answering my questions before I even ask yeah, them. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, your music, it, it not only speaks to kids, but it has a very impressive, well-rounded sound that, you know, I, being an 18-year-old who hasn't listened to kids' music in a long time, I enjoy the sound of your music, and I find that a a lot of times children's groups, if you want to call yourself that, sort of not necessarily talk down to kids, but sort of play down to kids, like they simplify their music. And and I think that you really sort of embody, you know, the indie rock sound while also making something that is universally relatable to kids. So how did you guys settle on, on a style of music that you wanted to to do because for me I think it's it's kind of difficult to incorporate indie rock music and also kids music and you sort of flawlessly did it Oh man, you you are so full of compliments, Raven. We gotta keep talking. Let's not end this interview. I forget everyone else. Let's just keep talking. Yeah, well, I mean, I, uh, one thing our band really does is we bounce around a lot from genre to genre. So, like on our album Hot Air, there are really like slow tempo orchestral rock songs. They're really you know fast tempo like '80s new wave songs. Um, we've done hip hop songs before, bluegrass. Like we we really try to push ourselves into different musical territory. It's it, so much so that it, that's really fun for us at just as music lovers to try to emulate the kind of sounds that we love listening to from other bands. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but the, the biggest goal for us is that if we took the lyrics away, musically, this would sound completely indistinguishable from the CDs or the MP3s that we're currently listening to in our cars and uh, and iPhones. And from a lyrical perspective, we're trying to echo those old Warner Brothers cartoons, you know, back yeah. in the 30s and 40s. The, those cartoons were geared in some way toward kids. There was always a layer that kids would totally get, um, but then there was always a depth to them too, so that the adults there in the movie theater at the time would really have, a, you know, jokes just for them, you know, that maybe kids, they got this to a certain per- extent, but there was something else kind of hidden in there too. We're trying to make music that's really multi-layered like that so that everyone walks away with something because, I mean, obviously the parents, they're the ones that have the car keys to take kids to our shows. They're the ones with the money to buy our CDs. So it's crucial to us that they feel like they're part of this. This is not just music for their kids that parents have to tolerate. We want them to be part of this musical family, too. Yeah, well, I think you answered my question perfectly. Thank you! (laughs) You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Raven Devaney, and right now we are talking with the incredible Jack Foreman from the band Rhesus Monkeys, sprinkled in another compliment there. 
talking. This is great. So let's talk a little bit about Hot Air, which is the reason you are here. Kids First uh, recently endorsed the CD, and we all love it here. We have all been raving about it. Um, so we were talking a little bit about, you know, musical style, um, and... The musical style of Hot Air sort of slightly reminds me of, you know, the Beatles circa 1960. So who do you consider to be your musical influences, especially for this album? Nailed it. Yeah, we're all huge Beatles fans. Yeah. We're just diehard Beatles fans. We, tell. <laughs> we all own all the records. Our goal this whole time as a band has been to make more records than the Beatles made. Uh, we think they made 13 studio albums and this one's our 12th. So we're close. Like, oh, we're you're so there. close. <laughs> so close. Just don't break up. We have one more record to make. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, their records too, particularly, I, I has I, I don't really want to compare this record to Sgt. Pepper's because that would be um, a pretty uh, uh, that would be a pretty brash and bold statement. Yeah. Um, but uh, that record has definitely influenced all of us, and we love how much um, Sgt. Pepper's bounces from song to song. Like as you as you listen through, the songs blend together seamlessly, but each song is coming from a very different perspective. And their albums really did that, especially the second half of their career. They weren't afraid to really gallivant, you know, from East India to, you know, strange country western inspired songs to, you know, old granny songs as uh as John Lennon would call Paul McCartney yeah. songs. So yeah, they're they're a huge influence on us. And um, I, I think any anyone listening that is not already familiar with the Beatles um, they're as great as they ever were. <laughs> yeah, I, I could definitely pick up on that vibe, and I think I think it's cool that you were able to take sort of that influence and then make it completely your own. Um, so, when you were going into the beginning of you know developing Hot Air, what was the concept behind this collection of songs, and what was your goal? And do you think that you met your goal? Yeah, so we our last several records have been themed, um, and we're not interested in making themes that are so tightly constricted that every song has to be about a certain thing, but we like mm-hmm. kind of creating a, a palette of songs that fit within a world. So the idea behind this album was we knew we were going back to a particular recording studio in San Francisco called Tiny Telephone, which is this wonderful space that is full of a really amazing sounding instruments and gear. And, it, and we wanted to create a, a, an album that sounded very lush and detailed with lots of interesting little bits of candy in your ears so that if you listen in headphones, there's just lots to listen to. And we thought about what world could that kind of music live in, and we thought about the sky. So the the whole premise of the album is that it's woven into an air adventure of some sort. All the songs, or most of the songs in one way or another, have to do with going on an air odyssey. Um, some of them very literally, you know, a song about a balloon or a song about a paper airplane. Other ones a little bit more figuratively, but still linking into that sort of airborne world. And then when the record was done when we made all the songs we created a 40 minute animated movie that um goes along with it with all the songs woven in that actually takes place in a uh, a do-it-yourself hot air balloon flying high above uh, an imaginary world so that's the that's the basic theme yeah well i i watched um the the dvd that comes along with it and i think it's pers- i personally think it's brilliant because i love the way that you use like clip art and really sort of wonderful narration and also like live action um so i really think the music and the dvd and everything comprises together to create a really well-rounded very complex and provoking collection that not only children, but I'm 18 and I love it. So thank you. Yeah, yes. you you really did. You really nailed it. You really did a wonderful job. And give my congratulations to the rest of the team as well. Uh, Jack, unfortunately, we are out of time, so I can't compliment you anymore. But thank you so much. You for being did so with much. Us today. I'm take it with me. My my self esteem has never been higher. Thanks, Raven. It was great awesome. to talk to you.
Well, thank you so much. And guys, make sure you check out Hot Air and all of the other works by Rhesus Monkeys. You can check out their website at rhesusmonkey.com. And you can also uh, check out some reviews of their work at Kids First. Let's take a break. I'm Raven, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is brought to you by Gumby from N-Circle Entertainment. I'm as red as a beat from my head down to my toe. Calm down, they all say, but I just can't let it go. Can't you tell that I'm ready to yell? I'm like a grizzly bear with a really soft tooth. Or an army of wasps about to get loose. I've had enough. Everybody back up. Everybody back up. Because I'm feeling Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? 
Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, and welcome back. I'm Brianna Hobiton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Jack Foreman from the band Recess Monkey, and we will next discuss Food Network Kid Testants, the Maze Runner Scorch Trials, and Pawn Sacrifice. So right now, we are speaking with 11-year-old Juliana Malfitano from Atlanta, who is the Food Network Kid Testant. And I just want to say that I absolutely love cooking. It is my passion. I am going to college for cooking so having this interview means a lot to me so I'm really glad that you're here can you first tell us how did you hear about kid testants well basically we had a really big series of things that all kind of trickled into each other so originally my parents were trying to get on a show but they sent in a video with me in it and they looked past my parents and they saw me and all the struggle (laughs) yeah I felt kind of bad and so I went and I filled out, we filled out the applications, then I went on to the next step, and we kind of just kept doing interviews on Skype and stuff, and just talking to a lot of people, and we ended up, you know, shooting a show in New York, so, yeah. Wow, I, you know, I'm still hung up on the whole, they look past my parents thing, because I would feel so bad, and I mean, and I, I know mean, but they do. were happy for me, because they're both chefs, so they were happy that I, you know, have this opportunity. Perfect family, a chef family. See, you know what, before I rant on, never mind. So what is your favorite part about being on this show? Um, I would definitely think it was meeting, like, new people. I got to meet all the other kid testants, and I got to meet Rachel, and all the cool guest judges. I mean, we met so many famous people that I wouldn't even envision seeing in my entire life. (laughs) And out of the people that you did meet, what was your favorite part about meeting them? Like, do you have a person that you really connected with? No judge in particular I connected with, like, overall. But I really liked meeting them to find out some of the judges I had never heard of. And it was really interesting meeting some new people and, you know, finding out a lot of cool cooking point of views and doing all these nice challenges because some of these challenges I had never even done anything like this. So it was really cool. Well, you're being very courageous and daring because me personally, even though I love cooking, I would be, I love cooking and I love acting and I love being in front of people, but I would never have the courage to mix that together. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess up. So the (laughs) fact that you have enough courage for that, I applaud you. I'm, you can't hear me, but I'm applauding. (laughs) 
<laughs> so do you have any advice for other kids or other kids around your age that are interested in cooking? I would just say start small. You're going to burn stuff. You're probably going to cut yourself. You're going to burn your finger, something minimum. But if you keep trying, you'll eventually get better. And you just have to, you know, not try and do like an, a huge complex dish. Just do something basic and build off of that. And speaking about making mistakes and, and getting better and better as you go along, do you have a memory that you can clearly see that, you know, where you made a mistake or you messed up and it's kind of just in your memory reminding you that you come a long way? When I first started cooking, I always really tried to do these complex dishes. I saw on TV and I was like, I'm totally going to do that. And I would try I would do that. I, I did one and it just went horribly wrong and I was so mad at myself. And it's something now that became my favorite dish, which is really cool to me. Yeah, it's like something that you couldn't do before. Now it is your favorite dish to do. That's cool. Um, there are great judges that mentor all the contestants. And I, and I think it's great that the judges can talk with you and show you different things. And, and what, if any, did you learn any new techniques from your mentor? It, or did you learn any new dishes? or anything of that sort? I'm not exactly the most clean, like, <laughs> chef as Me much neither. as the show may say it. Me neither. <laughs> like, I kind of grew as a cleaner chef, I think, there. I learned a lot of, like, mise en place tricks and just basic stuff that helps you cook a little bit more efficiently and, you know, in a more technical manner. Yeah, because I'll, I'll, after cooking something, I'll step back from the kitchen and I'll be like, what happened? Like you, before yeah. it'll be clean and then after everything will be everywhere. And then everywhere. you have to spend like an hour and a half cleaning it. So I definitely understand. How does your family and friends and classmates and everyone around you feel about you being on this TV show? I mean, I know you said that your parents were psyched because they are chefs as well. But yeah. did you get any feedback from anyone else? I mean, well, personally, a lot of people made a big deal about it at my school. My principal announced it. I am a brand new sixth grader, and my principal probably (laughs) embarrassed me over the intercom, so every student in that school knew to watch. I did not enjoy that, but we got a lot of good feedback after the first episode. Many people were super supportive, and we got a lot of viewers from that one experience. Wow. See, it was it was an embarrassing and not well-liked experience, but a lot of good a lot of good came out of it. So, that's how a lot of experiences are. So, can you tell us kind of what the layout is of the show, like what what needs to happen, what do you do? Yeah. The expectations, I got it. Basically, what happens every week is we are given a challenge and we have a short order cook and a big cook and we have to step up to the plate on both of them and really show our cooking technique. We are given a guest judge every week, and the challenge is very difficult. There's so many talented kids on that show. It was very hard, and you don't always get an award from it. Like, if you won the short order cook, you would get immunity, so you would stay even if you messed up later. And the big one would just be, like, you would win an advantage in the next day. So, really, your performance has to do a lot, and... Unlike last year, this year, every week, someone goes home, which was really, really hard, and none of us were expecting this when we signed up, and it made the whole experience a lot more emotional, but I think it made us learn a lot more, Mm -hmm. and, you know, really try our hardest. 
Yeah, because that's what happens because you go into it thinking one thing and then something else happens. A lot of emotions start coming up and you're like, but it, it really challenges you. That challenge is there, definitely there. Yes. So, I mean, I, I feel like that would be a good aspect of it. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are talking about Food Network Kid Testing, the Maze Runner Scorch Trials and Pond Sacrifice. So right now let's continue speaking with Juliana Milfitano. And we were just speaking about about how the layout kind of changed and the expectations and the emotions and the challenges and of this year. So, Juliana, it's one thing to be in a restaurant or a kitchen making your dish, but being able to articulate and vocalize your point of view of your dish is different. How did you find this challenging or did you find this challenging? I mean, before we went on the show, I was in the kitchen nonstop just cooking and cooking. And my dad was there with me the entire way. I went to the restaurant every day. But the hard part is in a restaurant, you cannot talk about your food. You can't get in front of a camera and say, this is what I made. Like, it wasn't like that. So that was a hard aspect to get used to, especially because I'm not very used to being in front of the camera. I had only been on TV one time in front of this, and it wasn't as big as this. So I was not used to talking about my food in a way, you know, that was entertaining and informational well i i love having new experiences even though i'm i'm a lot of i'm afraid of a lot of things i like having new experiences and it sounds like you have a lot i mean you you go on camera and then you you articulate you know what you make and it's it's all these new experiences and challenges that is very uncommon for someone your age i mean you are 11 and you have all of this. So I just, I respect you and commend you for that. So your parents own a restaurant. And yes. I, if my parents owned a restaurant, I would be the happiest person in the world. Because first of all, food. Like, food is awesome. And second of all, cooking. So you said you help out around there in your parents' kitchen and in, in the restaurant. Is there anything that you took from the restaurant experience and the restaurant environment into the food network? I would say, if anything, I took... Because when I was in the restaurant, I kind of advanced. I went from front of the house to doing prep work to making full dishes. I would say that I took out a lot of meeting with people face-to-face and showing them the food I made. Because even though I couldn't say anything in front of a camera to them, I still was, you know... bringing my food out and showcasing it to them and explaining it. And I think, if anything, I took out making sure that I was using the proper words for describing food because you can definitely turn someone off of a dish if you use the wrong word to describe it. Yeah, and it's like, you know what you mean, but they may yeah. not know what you mean. So I, I do understand the whole getting across of words. This is something that I'm guessing that everyone was anticipating and everyone has to ask, but what is your favorite dish to eat what you know what do you love to eat i like all things italian so it was probably the dish i ended up making last week this is not exactly the most italian dish in the world but it was delicious it was like this nice salad with all these sauces and scallops oh i love scallops pork belly it was just like a big montage of flavors and textures and i really liked it and That was a winning dish for me, so I really enjoyed serving that to the judges. And I enjoy eating that because every year on Christmas Eve, we make that dish. And this one in particular, I made my own. I added pork belly, my own dressing. So this 
that that dish is just so good. It, it's nice to have a dish that you can make your own and also it's like really close to your heart because certain people have certain things that are close to them and it's, it's nice to have food as your kind of main circle around your life. Yeah, it's so like, food is our tradition. <laughs> food is a tradition. So, I mean, and through a lot of, in, in, in America and in other places, food is like a staple. Mm-hmm. It's like for celebrations and for birthdays and for weddings. And I mean, we eat for Definitely. so many things. So cooks, I think, have a very, very big part in our world. And that's why I respect cooks. That's why I love cooking. I mean, I really enjoy it and I know what people get from it. Well, Juliana, thank you so much for giving me this interview and telling us all about being a Food Network Kid Testant. I really like talking to you. I would love to talk to you some more. Rachel Ray's Kids Cook-Off premieres on Monday, August 24th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Food Network, guys. So please check it out. I know I will be checking it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hobitan, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is brought to you by Gumby from End Circle Entertainment. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune in to Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey and welcome back i'm raven and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking with jack foreman from the band rhesus monkeys and we also talked with juliana uh from the food network kid testants right now we are discussing the maze runner scorch trials and we have with us brianna brianna how are you I'm fabulous. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing fabulous. It is awesome to talk with you. So, Maze Runner, Scorch Trials, oh my goodness. I am 
so excited to see this movie, as so many people are. It has been so anticipated. So what did you think of this film? Since there's been so much hype built up around it lately, what did you think? I really liked it. I... I'm not the person that read the book. I mean, I read I read a lot of books, but this is not one of the books that I ended up reading. I watched the first one. I watched Maze Runner about a month ago because I was like, ah, I should I I should watch something. So I watched it and I really really liked it. And then when I found out that I was going to see the Squirt Trials, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I saw this film and I really really liked it. There was it was scary at times. It was really thrilling. I never knew what was going to happen. I saw it with my dad, and and it's really hard to get my dad to like something that I watch because it's like it's rare movies that we can watch together Mm -hmm. and I didn't think he would like it but when we were watching he was like oh my gosh oh my gosh and to see my dad like that really brought a smile to my face that's (laughs) awesome this movie was amazing and I loved it so wait wait a second rewind you're telling me that you had never seen Maze Runner up until like a month ago (gasps) girl get out get out (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness see see now we're in like reversed roles because I had seen I had seen uh, Maze Runner, like the first one, gosh, like three times in theaters. Oh, <laughs> and and now okay. I haven't even seen the Scorch Trials yet. So, what kind of a fan am I? So, mm-hmm. having watched Maze Runner, what do you think of it compared to uh, the sequel, Scorch Trials? Okay, something that I really, really liked from these two films, Maze Runner and then Maze Runner: The Scorch Trials, is the fact or the aspect that the end of Maze Runner is the beginning of Maze Runner Scorch Trials, and I absolutely love when they do that because yeah. it's it's like this long... Because if they didn't have the whole sponsored and all that stuff before Scorch Trials, you could literally just run it through, and which I'm trying to do. I'm trying to edit it. But anyway, <laughs> um, um, in connection, the first one I liked, but I liked the, the Scorch Trials a lot more than the first one because Maze Runner was... It's... it's it's exciting, but there's times where it's like, okay, what's going on? Okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's a it's, slow start. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, in the beginning, I mean, in the end of it, you're like, okay, finally some action. But in Maze Runner, the Scorch Trials, it's like the whole thing. Like the whole thing is very, very fast paced, but it's not too fast paced where you can't understand what's going on. You're like, definitely know and, know and understand what's going on. But it's that hyped up and sitting at the edge of your seat type. Yeah, that's good. And and so so you would say that it's not like I mean, because obviously you want it to be intense and fast paced because I mean, it's it's the Maze Runner Scorch right? Trials like, ah, but but you didn't think that it was too much because I know sometimes like I'll leave movies and I'll almost feel like exhausted. I'll be like, wow, yes. like exhausting. So it, so it wasn't too much, you'd say? It was like when I stepped out of the movie theater, it was like, wow, that just happened. But it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I need a I need I need a glass of water. Type so, of thing. so it wasn't like too much. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And also, I'm glad, you know, how you said that picks up right where it leaves off, because I know a lot of times in movies, it'll be like five months later or like yes. three years later. And it's like, it's still like carrying along the same story. Like, it's not bad. Like, Hunger Games does that in a really good way where they, they pick up like a while later. But I think it was definitely important in this film that they pick up like right where the last one ends. You know? Yeah, because it's like, what could you do? Like, what, how would it yeah. say five months later if it doesn't? Yeah. Exactly. Because like everything I feel that happens in this series is so important. You can't, you can't even skip over like a couple hours. You can't even be like a couple hours have passed because something that's cool is like, as I mean, again, I have not yet seen this film, but the (laughs) last one, like 
like you're learning about the movie just as the characters are learning about the environment they're in it would be like so confusing if if they didn't pick up right where they left off because you'd be like whoa hold up like wait what just happened uh so talk to me a little bit about the actors because our favorite dylan o'brien is in and i love him and you love him so let's talk about that (laughs) so let's talk about him when i saw him the first Maze, well, Maze Runner, not the first Maze Runner. Anyway, the first Maze Runner, I was like, oh my gosh, he's in this. And so I really had a lot of like, oh my gosh, he's in this for the second one because he wasn't like filthy because in the Maze Runner, he's like filthy the whole movie. Uh-huh. But in this one, he gets cleaned up and everyone else gets cleaned up. So it's like you really had a chance to evaluate how they looked and how they acted. So my favorite character, even though I love Dylan O'Brien and Thomas, my favorite character would have to be Minho. Minho. Mm-hmm. Depending on how you want to say that, by um, Kim Hong Lee, because he he was courageous and he's amazing. And for some reason, I really like people who are courageous. So. Yeah, and he's a wonderful actor as well. I've I've seen him in a he couple is. other things, and he's he's really amazing. I think the whole cast is amazing. You have um Thomas yeah. Brody Sangster who plays Newt, and you have Kaya. I can never pronounce her last name, but it's Kaya like Scudinaire Leo or something like that. Oh, but she, that was great. <laughs> she is amazing. She plays Teresa, and so I think like the whole cast that they have, just from seeing what they did with the last film, they they really got themselves some good ones. Yes, you are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America kids network i'm raven devaney and right now we are talking about maze runner scorch trials with my favorite brianna so she was just talking to me all about how this film is so fast-paced but not too much and the cast sounds incredible so how do you think that uh director Wes ball did keeping a consistent style of filming over the course of these two movies because i think that that's definitely important well Throughout both of the movies, well, more specifically, The Scorch Trials, there was always this sense of understanding. I don't know if that was the actors or if that was the directing. I'm pretty sure it was the directing and the camera angles. There was this sense of understanding and this sense of knowing what was going on, but not being like, oh, I know what's going to happen, which I loved about this film because it wasn't predictable. So his whole flow throughout the entire, like the flow of this film was amazing. I was never at a point where I was like, why is this scene in here? Or like, this is an unneeded scene. I never said that. Because as we said before, everything in Maze Runner and Maze Runner Scorch Trials is important. You can't just add something in there when something else needs to be said. So I really felt that he did a great job in incorporating everything, but also letting everything flow and giving it that unpredictable. I feel like it's a odd match like flowing and unpredictable and no but I get I get what you're saying like it was very everything was very purposeful there was there was nothing that was unnecessary which which I think is very important especially when you're going off of a novel which the this film is probably should have mentioned that earlier on my bad oh yeah guys (laughs) yeah so so these films are based off of a series uh, a novel by um, James Dashner and so I think it's definitely very very imperative when you're taking something from a piece of writing and turning it into a screenplay that everything is very, very purposeful and strategic and well-planned. And it sounds like uh, West Ball did a wonderful job. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about the score of the film, because I remember the music a lot from the uh, first film. So I'm wondering how it carried over to the second. Well, I love music and you know, I love music. And I feel like when I watch films, 
I like half of the time I'm like, oh my gosh, this music is amazing. And half the time I don't even notice it's there. And when those two things come together, I think that the film did an amazing (laughs) job in creating the score because half the time I was like, oh my gosh, I love this song. And, and, you know, some of the songs I knew. So I was like, oh my gosh, I know that song. And that prideful moment when you know a song in a film, you're like, oh, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm amazing. Yes. And then there were songs that I didn't know. But they totally complemented complimented the scenes, complimented the film, um, the the credit, the credit music. I really like because I love when I'm probably saying this all wrong, but the word will slip my mind. So the music or the score for the entire movie, especially at the end of the film when it's the credits, is no. I feel that too because, like, obviously, the the musical score going on throughout the film is what should be the most important and I think yeah. it is the most important but I think the last impression that it leaves on you if yeah. it like if the if the last scene ends and it fades to black and then it just like hits you with an amazing song and you yes. later and you're just like jam into that tune and you're like yes this is the life like I love this movie like I, just, I don't know I think it just like ties yes. up the whole package with a really nice pretty song bow you understand like, me I do I do this is why I like talking with you <laughs> <laughs> um and you mentioned earlier that it is you know a little bit scary and it is classified as an action a sci-fi and a thriller and it definitely is quite thrilling for sure what what do you think of of the scariness in this movie is it more or less than the first one who would you recommend this film for like what do you think okay so the first one wasn't that scary it was like okay that's that thing right there that's gonna kill everyone it was definitely um, suspenseful though at some point yeah it was suspenseful like, he gonna it get it like, he gonna get it um there were obviously moments of that, but then there were moments of pure surprise. Like, not so much horror. I'm like, oh my gosh. But just it jump scares, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Lots of those. And, and you never knew. It was like, okay, this film is finally calming down. But then when it happened, you were like, of course not. This wouldn't calm down. So yeah. I would recommend this film for ages 13 to 18. First of all, because of the little bit of the language. I mean, because this is a PG-13 movie. Also, because of the shock factor. Because I was like, I don't think I should be watching this. I mean, obviously, I I can be watching it. But I don't think, like, at times, if I knew this was going to be in there, I probably would have backed out. I would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so scared. And also, for just the overall presence. Because it's darker. It is, I mean, it's the... it's the future. I mean, it's kind of it depending it's on like the a, way it's like a dystopian it. future. Yeah. There's a lot of heavier, heavier yeah. things going on. Well, I definitely think that seems appropriate. It is rated PG thirteen. How many stars do you give this film? I bet I know, but I just I have to ask. I will shock you. I will uh-huh. shock you. I will give four out of five stars. And, <gasps> and, and I will give it a short preview why. One, because I really, really love this film. I really did. But I feel at the back of my mind, you know how you see a movie and it's awesome and, and amazing. And then you're just like, I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's that feeling that I can't really describe. But it's like, it was amazing. But but it, it wasn't the best. Yeah. 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 Thank you. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you still think that it was amazing. And I personally cannot wait to check it out. Brianna, I will have to let you and everybody else know what I think about it after I see it. I'm a crazy person for not have seen it yet. Um, But it comes out in theaters on September 18th. So make sure you check it out. Read the books. See the first movie. Definitely. And Brianna, thank you so much for talking with me. It's always a pleasure. 
Yes, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> Let's take a break. I'm Raven, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is brought to you by Gumby from N Circle Entertainment. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it, and at a very young age. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Brianna Hopeton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking about the Maze Runner Scorch Trials, and next we will discuss Pawn Sacrifice. So right now we are speaking with 14-year-old Will from Colorado and 16-year-old Willie from Orlando. Home Orlando. Um, um, we are talking about Pawn Sacrifice, and this is a film about chess. That's what I got from it, and I really, really tried to learn chess, but I never could. So, Willie, can you tell us about your overall thoughts of this film? Yeah, um, I went into Pawn Sacrifice not knowing what to expect because I didn't know anything about the movie. I went in very neutral. Overall, I thought it was very gripping, and it caught me by surprise how, how into it I was. I take notes when I review movies, but for the longest time, my, my pencil never touched my pad, so that's, that's a great sign. That moment when you're like, oh my gosh. So, again, Willie, Bobby Fischer was basically a very, very smart man. How do you think... Toby Maguire portrayed him in all of his smartness. Uh, Maguire gives the performance of his career. Um, all the comic book fans out there are going to skin me alive. Look, <laughs> Peter Parker is great, but Bobby Fischer is on another level of characterization. I, I've never seen Toby Maguire this dedicated. You know, and, and as an actor, I can honestly say like every moment was real, and every choice he made with his characterization was was intense and focused and dedicated. 
and I, I think McGuire deserves a lot more recognition for being such a good actor, and I think this is the film that's going to do it. Just hearing you talk about it is, like, because I love, I love, love, love Tommy McGuire, so I will definitely be seeing this film and hearing you talk about how his acting is and, and how he acts in this film and that, you know, it's really a film to see will make me see it more. Well, or want to see it more. <laughs> well, how did this film capture Brooklyn in the 1951? Did it feel authentic? Was it, did you feel realness from it? I felt like it felt pretty real and authentic, and the costumes were pretty good in the movie. I I love old-fashioned period pieces in films. Like, even if the whole film is not a period piece, little parts of it, I, I love that. Because I'm just, I love how they dressed, I love how they talked, I love, love, love period pieces. And I just wanted to say that. So, Willie, this film included some old footage. How was it incorporated into this film, and do you think it was incorporated correctly or fitly, if that makes sense? Wonderfully. Um, the thing about Edward Zick, who, who directed the movie, he used the the real footage as transitions to each decade because I believe the movie takes place over a few decades from when Bobby was little all the way up until you know he was a grown adult. So this covering like 50s, 60s, and 70s. Those are three different times. You're talking about Cold War. You're talking about uh, the new era of basically everything. So uh, he used he used the flashbacks really really well and they're very effective. I didn't think they were out of place at all. And- Speaking about how he goes from three kind of different time periods in his life, was it like, I'm going to spend two seconds on this part of his life, two seconds on this part of his life, and a majority of the film on this second? I mean, on this part of his life, was it equal portions, or was it was it very unbalanced? How, how was his life? Well, it was unbalanced, but not unbalanced to a fault. The exposition covered his his childhood. I really loved the exposition, because usually in a bio... In a, in a bio the exposition is like really long and drawn out with a lot of unneeded information. But this time he gets to his point and then goes right into the meat of the film, Adult Bobby, and his quest towards the opus of, of chess. So um, it was unbalanced, but in a good way, in an effective way. Yeah, because, I mean, it was kind of a trick question, but you answered it correctly. I um, I don't... <laughs> I, I'll do that sometimes. I don't think it should be balanced. Because if, if it's balanced, then there's no real... Well, I think there's no real meat. Like, there's no main point. It's like, okay, well, this is this point, and this is this point, and, you know, the end is this point. So I do feel like there should be a little bit unbalanced, but not, like, three seconds for each. So thank you for answering the trick question correctly. You're welcome. <laughs> so, Will, this story is based on true events. Have you ever heard about this story before? Or if not, how do you feel about this new information that you are given in this film? I, I've heard about the chess match before. It's a pretty big thing. My dad watched the chess match on his radio. And do you know how to play chess? I used to. <laughs> That's my dad's story. That's everyone's I know story. Yeah, I knew at a point, and then I forgot. That's that's my story. <laughs> Actually, no, I never learned, so I can't forget. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about on sacrifice. So right now, let's continue speaking with Will and Willie, the double W's, <laughs> about pawn sacrifice. <laughs> and we were just, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we were just talking about the the director and the time periods and how they're incorporated into the film and all of that awesome, fantastic stuff. So, again, with the question, do you play chess? Willie, do you play chess? I dabbled. Dabbled? With, with, yes, dabbled with chess in middle school. 
I was actually part of our, our chess club, and then I found acting. But, you know, I, yes. I thought I was pretty good until I saw this movie. I mean, geez, I, I, my self-esteem has never dropped so quickly. I, I thought I was pretty good at chess until Bobby Fischer showed up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I ruined all my dreams. Yeah. I, yeah, it, it goes like that. <laughs> <laughs> I find that a lot of times I'll think that I'm really good at something, and I'll be like, no one's got anything on me. And then I'll watch a movie about her or a documentary or I'll see <laughs> yeah. someone else, and you're like, exactly. oh, gosh. Oh, it's <laughs> I, awful. <laughs> uh, yes, I understand. The, the feeling is very mutual. <laughs> so, Will, what were your basic thoughts on this film? Like, did you enjoy it? How much did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a good period piece, and I felt like everyone did a good job in it. And what was your favorite aspect about the film? The Cold War. And why was that your favorite? Because it was like a big, like, scary time in America, and it's fun watching movies about it. That's true. I, I find a lot of joy looking into history, not necessarily the Cold War, but into history, because history is where we get facts and things to know for the future to avoid our wrong decisions and, and mistakes from the past. So that's why I love history. So, Willie, was it suspenseful at times or was it predictable or anything in that nature? Well, it was it was suspenseful for me because I I was not familiar with Bobby Fischer or his story. I knew Bobby Fischer from another movie I've seen called Searching for Bobby Fischer, which has no. Oh, relation. that's why it sounds so familiar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I knew, but it was suspenseful for me because I didn't know the story. Now, others historians or people who grew up during that time, it might not be so suspenseful for them because they know the outcome. But mm -hmm. I I was I was held in suspense personally. And Willie, did you look up anything about Bobby Fischer or about his tournament or if that's what it's called? I'm sorry if I'm butchering the whole chess thing, guys. <laughs> but um, did you look up anything after or did you have any interest to find out more? Oh, yeah. Uh, after I saw the movie, I immediately looked up, you know, Bobby Fischer. Uh, Wikipedia it was the quickest one. And uh, his tournament says life, what happened to him afterwards. I was very interested in this man. This was a paranoid man. Uh, you know, chess drove him crazy. He was he was so intelligent. They say the most intelligent people are often the craziest, and this movie kind of proves that. You know, a brilliant man who was driven by his own obsession, which is the theme of the movie: uh, obsession and and being driven to your peak of passion, if you will. This is really deep. Like you're really <laughs> deep. Though. Like at that first glance, I was like, okay, this movie's about chess. I understand that. And then you you go all here deep stuff and psychological <laughs> stuff. See, this is why I can't talk to you. Anyway, <laughs> well, what do you think the age range of this film is? And after you give the age range, what type? Like, why do you give it that age range? I would say it would be ages fourteen to eighteen because there's some profanity and just. Just profanity would be the main thing. And Willie, is there anything you want to add to that? I, w I would say thirteen is okay. I think teenagers up. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I actually kind of disagree with that. I don't think the profanity necessarily is the problem. I just think it's it's the concept because people are going in yes. thinking, oh, it's a movie about chess, but it's much more than chess. It's really about obsession, like I said. But it, it has so many other themes, like America versus Russia, winning, mm -hmm. and 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 faith, and 
making sure that you know when to stop. You know, th- yeah. those are the, kind of the themes. So I just, I, that's why I say 13 to 18, but not because of necessarily the language. Yeah, I mean, and it's like I'm kind of an example because before this, I was like, oh, it's about chess. And then it's like if I were going into it not having this interview, I would be completely blown away. I mean, not in a bad way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's in a very, very good way, but just kind of taken aback and like, oh, I didn't really expect that to happen type thing. So that's good. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> so, Will, how many stars do you give this film? Four out of five. I thought it was a good period piece with good acting and everyone portrayed their characters really well. And Willie, how many stars do you give it out of this film? I probably know, but let's just... You know, it's, it's, it pains me to say it, but I have to give it four and a half out of five stars. And look, people... People are going to say, what's the half difference? Well, it's it's a pretty big difference because there is one sequence in the movie, and this is, I don't mean to offend any of the actors at all, but the actor who plays Teen Bobby, his first name is his Seamus, that whole sequence, everything just it was off to me. Like, the writing, the dialogue seemed very fake. His acting seemed fake and forced, and it just seemed like something to just carry over the exposition i hate to say this but it, it, i literally kind of, kind of cringed a little you know i was like god why, why is it why, why are they writing this dialogue why is he saying these things it doesn't make any sense it's out of nowhere the trail is isn't very good and then the film from there just picked up ahead of steam so that half point does does make a bit of a difference especially in the exposition i completely understand that because there are times in a film where it's like oh my gosh you know this is really good and then well it's not like the exposition is the beginning but there was that whatever time before that i'm assuming that you were like oh my gosh i'm watching this film and then you start that and you're like i hope this isn't like do you understand what i'm saying yeah i know what you mean because i was hoping like because when it started out i was like oh geez this is another another biopic and then it gets past the exposition and i'm like oh Oh, wow, this is this is something special. See, and that is good. That is what films are made for. And Will and Willie, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Pawn Sacrifice. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. We had a great time. Guys, it's in theaters now, so please check it out. I will try to learn how to play chess, so (laughs) please check it out. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining with us today. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Be sure to watch our video reviews on the latest film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog on the teen section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Gumby and Circle Entertainment. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.